we either change because we're in so much pain or because we have a compelling vision. We're either pushed by pain or we're pulled by a compelling vision. And, you know, when you are can't get out of bed till three or four o'clock in the afternoon, sometimes you're pushed to make a decision, even if it doesn't seem rational. Top leaders, meaningful conversation, actionable advice, bulldoze complacency, ignite inspiration, create impact. Produced by Southwestern Family of Companies. This is the Action Catalyst. Are you interested in advertising with the Action Catalyst? Our listeners could be hearing about your brand right here, right now. For details, shoot us an email at info at theactioncatalyst.com. Welcome back, Action Catalyst listeners. Today's guest has a tremendous background in both psychology and sports, having spent time on the court with elite NBA stars such as Steph Curry, and he's blended that experience with neuroscience and practical exercises to help leaders face challenges from navigating the pandemic to employee retention, company culture, and more. He's also a sought-after speaker and founder of MindShift Labs, and his name is Mike Lee. Thank you for making the time for this, Mike. Where are you zooming in from? I'm in LA. Originally from Wisconsin? I am originally from Wisconsin, yeah. Right in the middle of the state, the middle of absolutely nowhere. Growing up, you had to drive, I don't know, back then the roads weren't the same, so we had to go. It was a good three and a half, maybe four hours, depending on, you know, if it's my grandma or parents driving, uh, how long to get to Milwaukee or Minneapolis, so... How do you, what's your connection to to this? The nutshell version, uh, when I was in college at University of Maryland, I sold educational books door to door. So did my buddy. What was the company? Southwestern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, is this the same same organization? No way. (laughs) Uh, No way. So yeah, one of my buddies did the same thing. Yeah. You're familiar with the uh, small town Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's kind of where I grew up. Summer sausage and cheese curds, man. It was great. It's great when you're that age. Today, it takes a toll. <laughs> you got to connect the you know, middle of nowhere, Wisconsin. And you study concentration in basketball entrepreneurship. How you went you... deep into my bio. I, where did you? I, I don't even know where that's listed anymore. Z- Zach's like a ninja at pulling information up. I don't know where. I can, yeah, I can talk about that a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I haven't talked about that in a long time, but yeah. I think it's a great lesson, actually. Honestly, there's some there's a good lesson out of it. So probably like my junior year in college, I realized that I was never going to get a job. I had started my basketball camp, my summer basketball camp. Uh, we started with one camp, small town, you know, Wisconsin, like we've been talking about. It kept growing. And we, we had a hundred kids show up the first year, town of 15,000 people. The second year was, we had over 200 kids. Third year was 300 kids. And I just kind of, I knew I wasn't going to get a job. So my, my advisor was just very aware of, of what I was doing. So where it comes from, when you have a degree in psychology at the school, you also have to have a minor or a concentration. And so what he let me do, because he was, I think he was in charge of the department, was he let me essentially create my own minor. And he let me create it in basketball entrepreneurship. And I, I picked all these different classes that would help me in this career that I was creating kind of out of nothing. I mean, now today you can pick up a rock and throw it and you'll hit a basketball trainer that's that's working with kids. Back then, you know, nobody's really, really doing it like we were doing it. And so 
he saw that and realized that he should prepare me for real life, not going to, you know, getting a job and, and working somewhere. And so that's kind of where that came from. He, he was awesome. Yeah. So gra- graduating from what I know around 06, but in 05, you also founded the Wisconsin Playmakers Basketball Club. Yeah. So in 2003, a buddy of mine and me were talking. And like I was talking about earlier, I grew up in a town in the middle of nowhere, right? And we wanted, we just wanted to run a basketball camp. And we got a gym, got some coaches together. I printed flyers on my, I designed a flyer in Microsoft Word on my mom's computer, printed it out. We just took it around town everywhere. We sent it out to high school coaches. You know, I'm dating myself, but we, you know, we mailed it. You know, the first year was 100 kids, second year was 200 kids. And by the third year, you know, we had 300 kids. And I, at the time, I actually thought I wanted to coach college basketball. And I realized if I wanted to coach college basketball, that my best avenue was not going and being a manager, doing laundry, cleaning the floor at some division one school and trying to work my way up. My best way was to essentially create my own brand outside of the college basketball world and then leverage that to get into coaching college basketball. I wanted to be in the gym. I wanted to work with kids. I didn't want to spend my time doing the the managerial janitorial stuff with the you know college basketball program and that just kind of evolved we started working with kids from central northern wisconsin where there were no programs there were you know you had to drive like i was talking about earlier to minneapolis or milwaukee to get access to these types of programs and that's so that's who we created this club for and i just believe that if these kids had an opportunity some of these kids with the right training the right work the right skills and resources that they can play at the same level. And that's what happened. And we had kids that, that went on to play, you know, NCAA tournament, get drafted in in the uh, you know, NBA draft, take game winning shots in the NCAA tournament. It just was a it just evolved. That's something that, that I look back on and that's what we did then. Like we we just uh focused on the little things and we just focused on them day after day after day after day and trusted in the process. You feel like it was the reps doing some of that coaching with the kids that helped form some of what you deliver on stage and talk to people about. Talk to me a little bit about how you get from where you were doing that to what you share uh, on stage today. There's definitely some of that, no question about it. Being involved in sports since you know eight, nine years old, you're kind of the fish in the water and you don't realize, you take for granted a lot of the lessons. You take for granted a lot of the mindsets and the, and the things that the belief systems and things that, that you have to instill in yourself and instill in the people that you're working with, the players that you're working with in order to, to be at an elite level. And I think I took that for granted. And, and so I definitely, these are definitely things that translate to the business space, to being a better leader, to being a high performer, no question about it. But really the the transition came when I, you know, we had built this company in Milwaukee and, but I'd always dealt with depression my whole life. I used to get super, super depressed in the winters in Wisconsin, not getting out of bed till three or four o'clock in the afternoon level of depression. I mean, it, it was brutal. I mean, my, my barometer was if I'm can't get out of bed and I imagine that somebody called me and said, Kobe Bryant is at your facility right now and he wants to get a workout in and that doesn't excite you and you don't want to get out of bed, then you're definitely uh, in a going through a depressive state. Wow. Yeah. And so 
it just got to a point where I decided that and I cannot take another winter here. I just cannot take another winter in Wisconsin. And I picked up and I had moved out to LA purely for the weather. And I decided to get off an antidepressant medication that I'd been on for about 14 years. And getting off of it was one of the, I shouldn't say one of, it was the toughest thing that I had ever gone through in my life. There are, there's board certified doctors at UCLA that are, that are now comparing the withdrawal symptoms of some of these medications to getting off of heroin. Wow. And to get off of it, I decided to commit to a daily mindfulness meditation practice. And after a couple months of consistent practice, I realized why elite athletes like Kobe, why luminaries like Oprah and CEOs like Steve Jobs all attributed some form of a meditation practice to their level of success. It gave me the ability to be present to be fully present in the moment. And I knew as a former athlete and coach and everything that we want exists in the present moment. Being in a state of flow exists in the present moment. Being in the zone exists in the present moment. The connection that you have to create with the people that you're leading exists in the present moment. You want to show up with empathy that exists in the present moment. Everything that we want as a leader, as a high performer, as an entrepreneur exists in the present moment. And so I realized that, that at that point, I had a deeper purpose in life. And instead of building basketball players, it was to build people and to build leaders. And that's one of the inflection points from where I've gone from basketball space to uh, what I'm doing today. I, I love that story because it starts with self-application, right? It's like, oh, no, other people need this resource. It starts with, no, I needed it, right? And then as an extension of that, I can equip others. But what gave you the belief? Not many people just go, hey, I'm going to move out to LA with no network and just randomly start a whole new business that I feel really confident in <laughs> because there's so much associated risk with the idea of relocating and building something from the ground up. Talk about that new idea a little bit more and, and getting MindShift Labs up and running. Well, there's there's a couple things. I think, you know, I think Tony Robbins says we either we either change because we're in so much pain or because we have a compelling vision. We're either pushed by pain or we're pulled by a compelling vision. And as you know, I, I'm not even getting into the worst of the worst, but you know, when you are can't get out of bed till three or four o'clock in the afternoon sometimes, you're pushed to make a decision, even if it doesn't seem rational. Another inflection point was I was going through this period of getting off of uh, getting off of medication. There was the acute withdrawal symptoms for several months. And then there's what's called the post-acute withdrawal symptoms, which are where these medications shut down your natural serotonin production. And so when you get off of them, your body is not producing any serotonin. So after I was completely off was actually worse, a, a good three and a half years. Where I'm going with that is, is I was trying to make sense of all this. I knew given the withdrawals, that there was no way I was going back on something like that. Incredibly emotionally unstable. And so it was, I was watching I Am Not Your Guru with Tony Robbins, but I know he's kind of a divisive uh, uh, person. Some people love him, some people hate him. But uh, they asked him, why do you keep doing this? You have houses all across the world. You could have quit 10 years ago. Why do you keep doing this? And he said, I have an insatiable desire or insatiable desire to alleviate suffering for as many people as I possibly can in my lifetime. And I just started to cry like crazy because I that 
gave my pain and suffering purpose because I knew that everything that I was learning, the internal skills, the emotional resilience, the self-awareness, all of these things, I was going to be able to, I was building this massive toolkit that I'd be able to take and then teach to other people. That's awesome. And it's true. I mean, the it's so difficult to give coaching and guidance to others if you don't have the empathy of having been there yourself, right? And so having some of the best coaches I know are people that have had some of the darkest moments because they can go there, right, with client. So I, I totally appreciate that. So for the listeners on the podcast, I mean, you've worked with some really outstanding athletes. So, you know, Steph Curry is on your website. What are some of the things that have translated really well from from your personal experience in the, the mix of these things? And when I say things, I guess what I'm asking for is, you know, what's a strategy? What are some ideas you you share that have been effective? I'd love to share something with Steph because it's something that I'm still working on today. Uh, it's something that I learned from him, just being, being able to be around him at his first skills academy that he ran, then being able to stay in touch with him a bit, you know, going to pregame workouts uh, when he was in LA and in, uh, in Milwaukee. The, the short story is I, I brought a kid with me one year to watch Steph uh, go through a pregame workout, a kid that was working with our, our basketball company. And the conversation that unfolded with, between this, this kid and Steph I realized that, yeah, Steph put a ton of time in on the court. He's passionate about the game, but he didn't define his self-worth by his performance on the basketball court. He was having this conversation with with this kid about friends, about school, about his family, other interests outside of basketball. And I realized that that Steph defines his self-worth by the totality of his human experience, by how he is as a husband, a father, an activist, an entrepreneur. And that takes pressure off him when he steps out on the court. And this is what allows him to be in this state of flow that allows him to play with so much joy, freedom, gratitude, and creativity. Because if he goes one for 10 from the three-point line or nine for 10 from the three-point line, when he walks off the court, he's going to feel the same way about himself. And so this is what what allows him to, to drop into the present moment to where like I was talking about before, right? The present moments where everything that we want in in life, in business exists, right? It, it's in the present moment, locking in on that that task at hand. His belief that I am more than an athlete allows him to do that. And I think that's a lesson that that we can all, all take into any area of life. I'm more than an entrepreneur. I'm more than a speaker. I'm more than a, a podcast host. I'm more than a whatever it is. It allows us to to take some of that 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 weight off, that pressure off. The standards and the expectations that we place on ourselves that help us get to the top can also be the things that make us fall off the mountain. Absolutely. And so I think you know it sounds counterintuitive that we would place our identity in a a variety of things, but it actually I think it makes us us better in all areas. Yeah. If you're a parent and your kid is your entire life, when that kid graduates and doesn't really quote unquote need you as much anymore, it tears parents up, right? If you're you're an athlete and that's your entire box, like it is for so many college athletes. And so there's so much merit, I think, to everybody that listens to the more elaborate your boxes with where, where confidence is spread out between family and health and all these different interests and things that you've developed. It creates a lot more of a, a foundation. If you if if and when you lose one of those boxes, it, it doesn't absorb the whole thing. One hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. And it's a tough thing. It, 
What's really tough is when you're so passionate about something to separate yourself from it. We're so attached is not the right word. Intertw- we're so intertwined with our work, as, you know, especially if you are an entrepreneur and this business is something that you birth, like it's your child. Like it, so it's it's really difficult to do that, but I think there's a lot of power in it when you do. You know, it's got some, I guess, relatability to like that Zen culture of like, it's not detachment from everything in life, but being careful to not put too much attachment and interweave too much of yourself in things. I mean, is that part of what you believe or agree in somewhat? 100%. I, I am working on that every single day, non-judgment and detachment. I really, you know, when, when an event happens, like just being completely detached from it and and not judging it. I really don't know. I, I think um, it's hard to describe this without coming off as, as being a victim. One of my beliefs that I hold, and, and I truly try to apply this in everything that I do, and that's I, I know nothing, right? And it's coming from a place of, of humility, but also just complete detachment from from expectations, from results, from material things, from relationships, and. and it's more so coming from a, it sounds cold. It sounds like, you know, you're not, well, you're not emotionally invested in anything. It's not that I'm not emotionally invested in things. I'm just psychologically try to detach from an expectation of an outcome, I guess is, is the best way to put it. Because I think, you know, I, I can't tell you how many things I've worked on in my life where I have, I've worked insanely hard at something and it just did not come to life. But there are also things that that just kind of came through that I had feel like I had no influence on, right? And so, just really coming from that place of, of detachment, uh, I think is is super super powerful. And and the reason it, it it's powerful is it allows you to stay centered. It, it allows you to stay grounded. It allows you to stay in the present moment, right? If we get super attached to a future outcome, that's going to drive our minds so far into the future that it takes us off of what we can actually control in the present moment, right? And then if the outcome does not manifest and we are super attached to it, now we are stuck in the past and we're also out of the present moment. So I think there's there's a there's a lot of power in in the practice of detachment and non-judgment. Yeah. So talk talk about like functionality because knowing this stuff, you got to meet people where they're at, right? And I'm I'm assuming doing the work that you do at that level and what works you're you're getting with people that haven't experienced any of that, that don't necessarily share that core belief set before they start working with you. So what are some things that you do in the beginning of a relationship, kind of open them up to explore? Such a great question. It comes down to awareness, just really being aware of where they're at, being able to see the next step for them and and not taking them, you know, if they only need to go one step, not trying to take them eight steps because that's where you're at. I think there is uh, some ego involved in that. It's like, well, this is this is where I'm at and this is the knowledge that I have in this moment that is relevant for me. And and I, the, the ego, like I had to achieve this or go through this or whatever it is to get to this level. So I should be I should be teaching at this level, right? When the reality of it is it's not about you, it's about them. And you might have to to scale back to make things 
timely and relevant and actionable for where they are at in this moment. And so I think it comes down to awareness and getting out of your ego. Yeah. So how do you share some of this message, some of your messages and application and leadership that help them change their approach to working with their people? I think the first thing is getting clear on vision and getting clear on purpose. I think everything is driven from those two things. And I think when we get crystal clear on, on those, that can drive the process to bring bring those things to life. And I think, uh, especially in, in today's world, getting crystal clear on your purpose and your why is it's just so, so important. Um, if I didn't have purpose and meaning over the past, you know, with, with everything that I've kind of shared, uh, you know, I, I don't know where I would be, to be honest with you. Like I was in some really, really bad places, but, but I had a connection to something bigger than myself. I had some sort of why, and the research shows that having a clearly defined purpose improves your motivation, improves focus, and it improves your resilience. And so I think as much as it's important to get clear on that, to get to the next level, to, to bring this vision to life, it is even more important to get clear on it for when you go through adversity. Because when you go through adversity, you need a vision to rely upon. You need a why, because you're going to get knocked down. Things are not going to go as planned. The strategy is not going to go from A to B, B to C, C to D, like you had written out. Your five-year plan is not going to work. It's more so a you know six to twelve-month plan in today's world, and so getting getting clear on the why, uh, and then being open to how that actually manifests. Right. And a perfect example, I guess, is is with COVID, uh, and hopefully we don't have to go through anything like this again. But you know, the reality of it is, we're going to go through something. Like something's going to happen, right? And so. A lot of service-based industries that were working with people in person with the fitness industry, the you know, speaking industry is a great example. You had to go back to, yeah, I can't be with people in person right now, but what is the the impact that I want to make and what avenue, what what medium can I use in order to get to the end result, to get to the impact? And I think knowing your purpose allows you to focus on not so much be attached to the the process of the impact, but the impact itself, that makes sense. Yeah. I, and, I'm, and I think about college or high school students where they're going through, a lot of them went through a massive depressive period during COVID because they were isolated. I mean, and so I guess, you know, if you have one, what would be kind of an action that you would suggest, whether it's, you know, a college athlete that maybe just got injured and it's going through that kind of function of reprocessing their future. It's it's figure out a new vision. But what what are some other actions that maybe you suggest to someone that's pulling themselves out of one mindset into a healthier mindset? I got a lot of things that are coming to my mind because I, I think you know a lot of a lot of people go through this. You know, number you know number one, like we talked about before, get get clear on a vision, get clear on a why. Second thing is to. Hey, you know, try to operate with a beginner's mindset from the standpoint of try to let go of this identity that you had in the past and your passion from the past that maybe is, maybe it's just simply no longer possible. Maybe it is an injury, that career ending injury. Just, it's just simply not possible anymore. 
try to come from it uh, from a beginner's mindset from the standpoint of just being really aware of what your interests are. Maybe it's something that you were interested in in high school, but you were just so dedicated to basketball or to football or whatever it is that you just couldn't couldn't pursue it, right? It was just not, you had to grade one thing for the other. Pay attention to, to what just your interests are. What were you interested in? What did you maybe want to do that you had to sacrifice? I, I don't think, I feel like I'm kind of lucky from the standpoint that, that it was clearer for me. For some people, it's not. I think one of the, the big things to, to keep in mind is you don't always have to be operating at this deeper level of purpose. But what you need to do is you need to operate with a deep level of intention with everything that you do. And so I think, you know, that takes a little bit of the pressure off. Like, I think there, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of people in the self-help space, leadership space, everything. It's like, you got to find your purpose, find your purpose, find your why, right? And it's like, it's not, it comes when it comes. And it's really important to give yourself the permission to not have it figured out yet. I feel like everything that I've done in my life has been, here was a pain point. I solved this. I figured it out. And now I'm teaching somebody else to go through the same thing that I went through. And so look at what are some pain points in your life? What are some things, what have you had to go through? What are the lessons that you've learned? And now how can I use this as a way how can I teach others how to go through the same thing? Because if you went through it, somebody else went through it. And you probably have a, a unique perspective on, on it that is going to be able to connect with somebody else. And that's going to be fulfilling, right? Part of purpose is finding what's fulfilling. Well, what's fulfilling is is you know being of service and helping other people out. Find a find a pain point that you want to solve. Figure out how to how to go through it yourself and and teach others to do it. That's a great place to start, is you know. Give yourself the permission to not have it figured out and to look at some pain points in your life that you had to solve and that you've learned something from and that you can teach to other people. Love that. We're, we're going to end this with just spitball questions that are somewhat short answer. Just piece of technology that you feel you've used. Maybe it's an app on your phone that's kind of helped in some of these ways. Is there anything you'd recommend? I know I said short answer, but I'm going to give you two. Number one is uh, find, if you want to dive in, I talk about meditation a lot in the beginning. You want to dive into a uh, into meditation? Get an app. Uh, you have to have a, a guided audio experience, especially when you first start out. Reading about it and then trying to to practice it or not having a guide is incredibly frustrating, and you're going to quit because it's going to be too challenging. So find a guided app. Headspace is great. That's what I use. Uh, second thing is I don't talk about this a lot, but there's an app called Focus Timer. It's an app for, it's a desktop app. I don't know if they have it for your phone or not, but it's a desktop app uh, for Mac for sure, maybe for PC. And when you have a, a task that you need to complete, we need like some sort of psychological triggers, right? It's like when I was coaching basketball players, every drill that we did had a goal, had, a, had to hit that goal within a certain time frame, right? And it creates psychological, uh, it's a psychological trigger to get you to lock in and get you to focus, right? So a uh, focus timer and set a time to complete certain tasks. I think it'll help help you level up your focus. Productivity. Yeah. Love that. Last question is this one piece of advice that you would give yourself at the age of 21, knowing everything you have now. Don't be so hard on yourself. It's all working out the way it's supposed to. And to view every 
adversity as a catalyst for growth and not look at it as something that's happening to you. Look at it as something that's happening for you and lean into that challenge, that adversity with a growth mindset, because what you learn from that experience is something that you're going to be able to teach. And the more you become, the more that you can give. And if you're providing value for people, you're not going to have to worry about anything in your life. I think those last few sentences were the perfect way to end uh, a great interview. So thank you, though, for making the time for this, Mike. It was really good. Yeah, thanks for having me on. We'll uh, continue the conversation soon. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. And to stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and on Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. And thanks for listening.